listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at BethanyNaz.org. Really good to be with you this morning and uh, to share God's Word. And I feel really good. Last week I was really sick when I preached and I tried to call in sick, but uh, apparently you can't do that on Sunday morning. And they said, no, you can't like give us 30 minutes notice. You have to give us more time to find a replacement, so you have to come and preach. And I didn't know that, so I ended up having to come anyway and preach. But I feel good today, and I'm glad that I'm feeling better. Hey, we're in this series as we run through the book of James, and it's called Words Hurt. And everybody in the room understands that, right? You know that words hurt because... You have been hurt by the words of other people, but you have also hurt people with your words. We are all guilty. So I was thinking this week with a legal pad in my hand and an ink pen and some one-on-one time with God, and this may be something you might do this week as well, if God could only say two words to you, what two words do you think God might say? Okay, if God could only say two words to you, what two words do you think God might say? So I'll throw out some ideas. Is there anybody here that would say, I think if God could only say two words to me, I think He might say to me, trust me. I don't know. I wonder if anybody here is thinking, if God could only say two words to me, I think He might say, let's talk. In other words, why don't you stop and pray, you know? Or maybe somebody's thinking, if God could only say two words to me, I think He might say, Stop talking. You know, just be quiet. Because we find ourselves in this conversation understanding that when we are not controlling what we say, we can be very, very hurtful to others. And what we learn in the book of James is that he envisioned this community where the kingdom of God comes to earth and people are very careful about how they talk to each other and what they say about one another. And so he had this idea of a community. And if you just dream with me for a minute, what if this church, this community right here, became a place where you were just amazed and people who came to visit us were amazed and said, wow, those people, they don't talk bad about anybody. And they only say kind and upbuilding things to one another. And so that's the kind of community that James had in mind, okay? So I'm going to tell you what my mama said, and then I'm going to tell you what James said, okay? So when I was growing up, my mom would say this to me. She would say, hey, Rick, if you can't find something good to say about somebody, then maybe you just shouldn't say anything at all. Just don't say anything. If you can't say something good about somebody, then just don't say anything. Well, now I'm a talker, and that was big for me to think about not saying anything. In fact, I think I was kind of old before I realized that was an option, that you didn't actually have to say something, because I talk a lot. But my mom would just say, if you can't come up with something really good to say about somebody, then why not just say nothing? Now here's the way James says it, okay? He says, don't speak critically of one another. So he's talking about the church, the body of Christ. Right now in this conversation, he's talking about how you and I relate to each other and how you relate to one another, okay? So brothers and sisters, don't speak critically of one another. Don't speak harshly about one another. Don't speak negatively about one another. 
Don't speak ill of one another. Don't cross the line of slander saying false things about one another. And don't judge one another. So I'm going to sit down, look you in the eye, and ask you a straightforward question. Would you be surprised or would you be hurt or would you be shocked if you learned that someone's opinion of you was that you can be very critical of others? Would you be like, oh, really? Somebody thinks that about me? They see me as a person who can be really critical of people? Or would you be on the other side of the conversation and say, no, I get it. If you hang around me, if you listen to me talk, I can be pretty critical. Second question, would you be hurt or shocked or surprised if you learned that somebody's opinion of you was that you can be pretty judgmental of people? Would you be like, really? Somebody thinks that I'm judgmental? Or would you be like, no, I get it. If you hung around me, if you listen to me talk... I can be pretty judgmental. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Some participation, okay? I want you to raise your hand really high on this one, okay? How many of you would say, Rick, I'm a pretty critical and judgmental person. Just raise your hand really high. Would you do that? Okay, I didn't think I'd get a lot of participation. I got a few honest souls. How many of you, though, would say this? I personally know somebody who is really critical and judgmental. Now we're getting a lot of participation in the room. Okay. So... I, I, I wish there was some way that I could just um, grab each of you by the shoulders and look into your eyes right now, okay? Everybody in the room. I want to say something to you, okay? If you are a student, so I'm leaning over here to where students hang around, hey gang, if I could just put both my hands on your shoulders, look in the eye, I would say this to you. What I'm about to share with you in God's Word, if you would listen to God today, it could set your life on a very good path. If you would let this just direct your life, you could be one of those people that everybody desires to be. Let me say this to you if you're in your, in your, in your young years. Okay, you're not a student, but you're fairly young. If you will listen to God today, He can set your life on a very productive path. If you're getting older like me, if you will listen to what God says today, it could change the way you think, the way you talk about, and the way you talk to people. So here is God's Word in James chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. So grab your Bible. You can also read with me on the screen. You also got a card when you came in, and there's a place for sermon notes, so you may want to grab that. Have it handy if you've got an ink pen or there's a pencil maybe in the seat back in front of you. And let's dive in. And let's see what God is going to do in your life today through His Word, okay? So here's what James says. Don't speak evil against each other. Don't speak harshly against each other. Don't speak ill of each other. Don't speak negatively about each other. Don't speak critically about each other. Now this is God's Word. This is what God is saying. This is the way you live your life, okay? And don't judge one another, dear brothers and sisters. So he says, if you criticize and judge each other, then you know what you're in reality doing? You are criticizing and you are judging God's law. We'll talk about what that means in a minute. 
But your job, anybody looking for a job, I got a job for you, okay? This is your full-time job right here. Your job is to obey the law, to obey God's Word, to obey God's will, God's direction for your life. That's your job. Not to judge whether it applies to you. If you're wondering, like, how do I know if this applies to me? I'm wringing my hands. I'm trying to figure it out. You don't have to wonder. It applies to you. <laughs> okay? God alone, who gave the law, He is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? So this is God's Word for us. I think you'll enjoy this. My wife and I, Annette, we've made some friends over this last year who recently moved here from South Africa, and they're probably sitting back on my left over here. Their names are Tony and Natasha. And South Africa has been greatly influenced rather, by, by Europe, okay, and so by British colonies. And so um, they said, we are learning there are certain words that we don't say living in the U.S. And I said, well, now I'm interested. Tell me about certain words that you don't say. They say, well... Like, um, it's just very confusing for people when we say certain words. They don't know what we mean. I said, like what? And they said, well, um, I said to a friend, I was sitting at the robot. And my friend is like, wait, you, you have a robot? And he says, no, I was sitting at the robot. And he said, do you say robot, Rick? And I said, no, I don't say I was sitting at the robot. I say I was sitting at the traffic light. And he goes... Yeah, well, we always say robot. So now we don't say robot because it doesn't make any sense. But at home in South Africa, we would say, yeah, I was sitting at the robot. And I said, well, give me some other examples. He goes, yeah, he says, when you give your child a pacifier, do you call it a dummy? And I said, I understand it, but no, we don't call it a dummy. I don't mean the child, I mean the pacifier. We call it a pacifier but I understand it's not the real thing, so it's like the dummy, right? He goes, yeah, but we... So we, we're not saying dummy as much anymore either, you know, like we did. He said, I asked a friend, I said, the trailer that you're pulling with your truck, did you hire it? And the guy said, no, I rented it. And he said, yeah, that's what I meant. You hired the trailer. And I said, yeah, we don't say hire, we say, you know, rent. And he said, like, somebody asked me, did I bring something We're in my car? And I said, yeah, I put it in the boot. And the guy's like, in the boot? And so he's talking about the trunk. You, you get me? And he's like saying, and so sometimes we say, well, maybe you should look under the bonnet. Now, I, I grew up in Kentucky, and, and we were raised not to look under other people's bonnets, you know. But <laughs> what I learned was that that's, you know, what's under your bonnet is of no concern to mine. But actually, the bonnet is the hood. And so, well, I, by all means, raise the hood. We'll look at the engine. So here's what I learned. When I was very young... Being educated in Kentucky, and I'm sure the greatest school systems in all the world, right? I learned that words don't actually have meaning. I learned that people have meaning. Because when you say hot, you can mean a lot of different things with that word, right? And so James uses a word, and the word that he uses is law. And the question that you have to ask is, so when James said law, what does he mean by law? 
When some Jews used the word law, you know what they were talking about? They were talking about the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament. And so many Jewish people, when they said the word law, they were talking about Torah. They were talking about God's law, God's Torah. However, in chapter 2 of the book of James, when he says law, he puts a word in front of it. And he says royal law, and then he defines it. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. And so I'm going to scratch my head and say, well, what does he mean by law? Does he mean Torah? Or does he mean the royal law? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because that's what he meant the last time he said law. And it makes sense if he's saying, don't criticize one another. Don't talk negatively about one another. Don't talk harshly to or about one another. Don't judge each other. It makes sense that he would say, you should love your neighbor like you love yourself. Or when he says law, does he mean something even more broad, like when he says word, because he has said word so many times up to this point? Does he mean like, you know, the word of God, all the word of God? And he probably doesn't mean a book, because he didn't have a book. But when we say word of God, we think book, and we think static. But it's not static. It's actually living. It's alive. The word of God is alive. But when James said word, he didn't mean like book. He meant everything that God has set up to this point in many ways that he would speak. Like through burning bushes and through clouds and through pillars of fire and through Jesus and through the gospel and through the prophets and on and on and on. Everything that I know to be the will of God. So James says, when you criticize people and speak negatively and harshly and you are judgmental about people, you know what you're actually doing? If you criticize and judge each other, then you are actually criticizing and judging God's law. Now here's what I think James means. When you come to a place in your life that you have an understanding of God's opinion about something, okay? God's will, God's desire, God's word, what God wants, what God says is right, what God says you should do. When you come to a place that you say, okay, on this issue, I believe this is where God stands. This is what God wants. Like speaking critically about people or judging people. God says, don't do it. It's really clear. It's in the word. Don't do it. And once you know that that's what God says, but you respond with these words, I'm not going to do what God says. Either because you disagree with God, and you think God hasn't fully thought this through, but you have some thoughts on your own that you think should be added to the conversation. Or because you just don't want to. You know what? Here's the deal. I talk about people all the time, and I like talking about people, and I don't want to stop talking about people because kind of talking about people, gossip and all of that, I'm kind of into that. Or because somehow you've convinced yourself that it applies to everybody else, but it doesn't really apply to me like it does to everybody else. James says, you're judging God's Word. You're kind of putting yourself above God's Word. And you're saying, I know that's what God says, but maybe I'm not with God on this one. And me and God, maybe we just don't agree. And James says, in reality, what you're doing 
is you're kind of judging God's Word and His law to decide if you think that God is right. See, I've never really thought about it like that, James. He says, well, it's what you're doing. I came home, uh, I think Tuesday this past week. So I'm pulling into my garage, I'm noticing my lawn needs mowing. And I decided that I would uh, go in and change clothes and I would come back out and mow the lawn. I love to mow. It's kind of this numbing thing that you do, but you get good exercise. And it was pretty hot that day. And it's kind of a good workout. And so I really don't know what happened, but here's the story. I start mowing, and about halfway through my front lawn, which is small because my lawn is shaped more like a piece of pie, okay, front lawn, not much there. Halfway through the front lawn, the lawnmower starts kind of spitting and sputtering, and finally it just stops working. It just dies. My ass kind of weird, so I prime it again, and I crank, and it starts, but it just it, it quits again almost immediately. So I try again and nothing, I try again and nothing, I try again and nothing. I think, ah, I know it's really hot, but it usually doesn't stop running because it's hot. But I'll wait a couple of minutes, I'll try again, I have no idea, I'm not a mechanic. And so I try again and nothing, I try again and nothing. And finally, I go to my friend Jess and I say, hey Jess, my stupid lawnmower, quit running. I describe to him everything that's happened. And Jess kind of listens and he looks at me. And then after I finish talking, he reaches down and he unscrews the gas cap. And the minute that he does, I know exactly what I've done. I don't know why I did it, because every time I mow the lawn, and I've mowed the lawn since I was a young boy. I mean, I've always mowed my lawn. But every time, first thing I do, I grab the gas can, I fill the lawnmower up. But as soon as he touches it, I realize, oh my goodness, I didn't put gas in this thing. Now, you're probably thinking, Rick, you're 56 years old. You've mowed the lawn for years. Really? Does somebody need to tell you to put gas in a lawnmower? You need to be reminded to put gas. What are you thinking? What are you doing? Why did you do that? And all I'm going to say to you is, I don't know why. It's the way I feel about the next sentence that James gives us. I really don't think I need somebody to say this to me, but James says it to me. He says, your job, your full-time job is to obey the law. Do what God says. I mean, I really don't think I should have to have somebody have to tell me this. I should know this, right? I should know this is the best life. This is what God expects of me. Obey His law. And you don't have to spend time wringing your hands trying to figure out, does this apply to me? It applies to you. Just do it. I think this is a great question. And you might consider writing it down. Am I a doer of the law? Or am I a judge of the law? So it's like my default setting when I'm sure God says this or I read God's Word and it says this I just say, okay, I'm going to do what God says. Or am I kind of picking the law apart? Evaluating. Trying to work around it. Trying to bend it. 
deciding whether or not I agree with God on this one. Trying to figure if it really applies to me or if it really just applies to everybody else. Am I a doer of God's Word? Or do I remind myself more of a judge of God's Word? So, you okay just to look me in the eye for a minute? I'm going to try to scan the whole room here for a second. I love to say this to people. When God gives you His Word, when God says do something or when God says don't do something, it is always, 100% of the time, it is always good for you. Okay? See, when, when I was young and I had parents and they were telling me I could do something or couldn't do something, it was like, you know, I don't think they got my best interest in mind right here, you know. I'm telling you, 100% of the time, when God says do it or don't do it, it's good for you. I'm not saying it's easy for you. Sometimes it's not. But it is always good for you. Let, let, let me prove my point, okay? On this particular idea of talking negatively about people and harshly about people and speaking ill of people and speaking negatively about someone and being judgmental of people... I've got a feeling there's not a person in this room who is truly seeking God's will for your life who wouldn't answer this question affirmatively. If you could go back and delete every negative, unkind, harsh word, judgmental word that you've ever said about anybody in all of your life, would you hit the button? Would you delete it? And i got a feeling everybody in the room would say, yes, I would delete it. I would love to be that person that people talk about when they say they never say a bad word about anybody. They don't talk about people. And so when God says in His Word, don't speak negatively, don't speak harshly, don't speak critically, don't speak ill love, don't speak evil against, don't slander. It's because it's good for you. And you know what else? It's good for the community. Dream with me. Come on. Wouldn't you love to be a part of a community where you said, you know what? These people just don't talk bad about each other. And they're not judgmental. They leave all of that up to God. This is a community you love to be a part of. And it's the community that James envisioned. This is what the kingdom of God looks like on earth. I remember being in a small group of men, which I've been in a group like that for the last 25 years of my life. But this was years ago. And we were talking about, in this lunch group of four guys, another man who went to our church. And one of the guys asked a question about this other man. What do you think his motives are? Why do you think he's doing what he's doing? Where do you think he really is in his walk with God? 
And I remember Dennis raising up from his plate of food and responding with these words. Are you asking me to judge his heart? Because I can't do that. Only God can judge a person's heart. Look at James' words. God alone, who gave the law, is the judge. Okay? He alone has the power to save or destroy. I want you to understand that this is rich, deep, heavy theology. And most of the problems that we run into our lives is because our theology is weak. So here's, here's some good stuff about God. This is good theology. You want to know about God? Let me talk to you about God. You want to know who God is? James is telling you who God is. He starts with the Shema. Okay, he quotes the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And James quotes that here saying, God alone. There is one God. There's not like many gods. There's one. And He is the one who gave the law. God says this is right. God says this is wrong. God says this is moral. God says that is immoral. God says this is good. God says that is bad. God is the lawgiver, okay? He is also the judge. God is the one who determines whether or not you and I are living up to His code. And God alone has the power to save in the end. He will judge us. Now that's good theology. You may not believe it. You may say, I don't know that I believe in the God like the Bible talks about there being one God. And I'm more into relative truth. I don't know that there's just this absolute truth. I don't know that what God says in His Word and in other ways is really right because today I feel like in our society there's just a lot of kind of unknowns and different people are believing different things about different stuff. I don't know that I would say God's the lawgiver and I don't know that I would say God is like the judge and in the end God has the power to save me. I mean you may not believe it but you may believe it. And you may say, no, Rick, I believe there is one God. And I believe God is the one who says, this is right and that is wrong. And this is true and that is false. And this is moral and that is immoral. This is good, this is bad. And I believe that God is also my judge. And that in the end, God is the one who has the power to save me. Most of the time, when our life is off track, our theology is off track. This is good theology. You know what James is saying? <laughs> I have some great news! Guess what? We already have a judge! We don't need you to be another one. And we don't need your pastor to be another one. Hey, all of you, take off your robe and lay down your gavel. We already have a judge. Is that awesome or what? You don't have to be anybody's judge. In fact, 
This is where James goes. It goes to a dark place because when you decide that you're going to be the judge, you know what you're really doing? You're really saying, according to James, I think today I will be God. It's okay, God, you scoot over. I'm going to judge this guy. Your services are no longer needed. I'll just be God today. And I'll be the judge. Kind of scary, isn't it? And James is saying, really good news for everybody in the room. We already have a judge, and he is very good at what he does. You can take off your robe. You can lay down your gavel. We don't need you to judge anybody. I'm not shocked or surprised that people who aren't followers of Jesus use a word to describe people who are followers of Jesus and the word they use is Christians are too judgmental. Because we can be And the question you've got to always ask yourself is this. What do I really want? Do I want to correct people? Or am I trying to connect with people? You should write that down. Do I really want to connect with people or am I just wanting to correct them? Big difference in the two, okay? Am I just here to correct you and to point my finger and tell you, you know, you're sinning, you're wrong. This is... Or do I want to connect with people? Do I want to build a relationship with people? Do I want to be Jesus in their lives? Do I want to add value to that person? Do I want to build that person up in some way? That's always the question you've got to ask. Am I trying to correct you? Or am I trying to connect with you? And I'm telling you, when your main desire is to connect with people as a follower of Jesus, you don't have any need really for that robe and that gavel. It becomes useless to you. We're only going to win people through relationships. We're not going to do it by pointing our finger at them and tell them that they're sinners. I love this part, okay? You've got to lean in. Because what James does next, it's like he said, okay, we know who God is. God is the judge. God is the lawgiver. God is the only true God. You know, God has the power to save and destroy. The next question he asks is, is a good one. He says, we know who God is, but who are you? And here's the way he really asks the question. He says, so what right do you have to judge your neighbor? I know who God is. I'm just trying to figure out who you think you are. And why do you think you're the person who should be judging your neighbor? This is God's word for you. And it's God's word for me. So I thought maybe 
Before we leave today, we might, just in the quietness of this room, just bow our heads, close our eyes, together, and spend some time just talking to the Father, okay? And so, if it's all right, I want to guide you through a prayer, and, and I want to ask you just to, just to now pray some of these prayers, some of these words, and, and maybe you would begin by just saying, um, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, shine your light into my soul and reveal what is really there. So I'm not trying to pretend, I'm not trying to be someone I'm not. I'm just going to get very honest with God in this moment. Do people see me as critical? Do I talk bad about people? Do I talk negatively about people? Do I talk harshly about and to people? Lord, would my friends who know me the best, would they see me as judgmental? Is it pretty much an open and closed case? On people I meet? And Lord, when I do that, am I really then making myself a judge of your law? I'm trying to decide, God, whether or not I agree with you. I mean, obviously, this is a big deal to you, God. Maybe a prayer that says, Lord, what if I spent... My time, what if my job was to obey the law? And I focus there. Just knowing it all applies to me. Maybe a prayer confession that says, I'm taking off my robe. I'm laying down my gavel. And I'm going to leave all judgment, God, up to you. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand together? You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.